just going to move on and, and talk, uh, hopefully a little bit of a shorter message uh, this week with Father's Day. Uh, Jeremy's gift to you as dads was always a short Father's Day message, and I don't know if I've ever been able to actually pull that off, but, uh, but uh, that's sort of my heart is to just do something a little bit shorter and just give us a little space uh, to engage and think about uh, what it is to be a dad. Uh, a little bit, we're going to look in a few moments at David's story, um, just because this incredible king that we looked at even last week in our Acts series um, really is looked back to as this man after God's own heart. And uh, how did he father? How did he engage? And we're going to look at one of the more challenging moments for David as a dad, and we're just going to uh, see some beautiful things there, I think. But first, to zoom out at what sort of fatherhood means for us uh, here as people uh, in the year 2018. Uh, it's really a part of a longer story, isn't it? If you look back to the 1900s, um, uh, fatherhood, even at that stage, began to uh, change and began to be thought about in a different way. Uh, in 1900, uh, we had three kids per family. There's sort of a shift there because of the way industrialism was working. But prior to that, um, there were most families had like six kids in the family. How would you, how would you like that if, if in this church the average number of kids per family was six? Like, 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 so a totally different world back then. But as that began to change, and as people began to have sort of fewer kids in the home, there began to be the ability to focus a little bit more intention on one child or another. And out of that rose sort of professional psychology, finally, uh, sort of for the first time, beginning to examine the role of a father and what it was. And out of that, in the 1920s, came something called the New Fatherhood Movement, uh, which was uh, really sort of responding to the growth in the early 1900s of Mother's Day, but beginning to say, okay, so what is this father thing all about? And part of that obviously was driven by the commercial thing. Uh, clothing retailers wanted a day to sell men's clothes, essentially, but they were also funding a lot of uh, work and a lot of thought around fathering and what it means and all of that. And what happened simultaneously in the 20s was the advent of the automobile and the commercialization of society. So just as a culture, as we began to think more about what fathering and what it was and how important it, it was and, and what it meant, there also simultaneously came a greater um, pressure to provide more for the kids. And so there's sort of two opposing forces that began to build up pressure on dads and what they were because all of a sudden there was this pressure to have a car and to buy more things and to have a nicer home and less attention on the actual relationship that we have with our kids. And I think even if you look now, we still see the fruit of that in our lives, that we as dads, and, and I know this is my experience as well, am so torn between loving kids in practical ways by how I provide for them uh, in, material, uh, in material ways versus how I care for them in emotional and spiritual ways. How do you sort of weigh those things and, and bring them together and balance them well? It's a struggle that I have as a father. My, my, kids, uh, my kids know that well. In the 30s and 40s, uh, fathers were absent from work through the Depression. So under this, uh, you know, now this pressure to provide, but now so many dads without jobs, just sort of demoralized in that environment. And then out of that uh, demoralized environment, then finally seeing the light of day as the economic situation began to improve, and all of a sudden a whole whack of dads went off to war in the 40s and were, and were really lost. Uh, moving on through the 60s, through the 90s, we began to see the breakdown of the nuclear family through the sexual revolution. Uh, began to see so many more broken homes and so much more divorce. Uh, so the Time Magazine wrote in an article in, I believe it was 1998, 
they, they wrote an article focusing just on the statistics around what had happened there. And really at that point, uh, and, and still moving forward into the future, a situation where there were fewer dads in homes with their kids than ever before in human history, uh, apart from periods of major cataclysm and war uh, that had happened uh, in, in the history. So, but this hadn't happened in the 60s and 90s through war. In the 60s and 90s, it happened through, uh, through divorce and through uh, just a breakdown. Uh, so there's this sort of challenge that has come against the family. And in the 2000 uh, to the present, there's just sort of been decades of uncertainty around fathering and, and what that means. We're, we're trying to figure it out. And just to get a picture of that, uh, this is uh, a little excerpt from an article from Time Magazine that was uh, released actually yesterday by Olivia Waxman on June 26, 2018. Uh, she, she says this, she says, talk to the experts in crime, drug abuse, depression, uh, school failure, and they can point to many studies blaming those problems on the disappearance of fathers from the American family. But talk to the fathers who do stay with their families and the story grows more complicated. Uh, what are they hearing from their bosses, from institutions, from the culture around them, even from their own wives, very often comes down to a devastating message. Uh, we don't really trust men to be parents and we don't really need them to be. The idea that fathers get the message that they're not needed, especially now that social media has increased, the platforms by which ideas about good parenting can be offered is still an issue. For example, a study that recently appeared in the Journal of Family uh, Studies uh, suggests that maternal gate closing, the idea that mothers still know the most about childcare, could be overwhelming fathers and negatively affecting their confidence and their own abilities to parent. And the article sort of ends like this. It says, clearly, society has not yet arrived at the perfect image of the good American dad. So the evolution continues. Thank you for those encouraging and hopeful words <laughs> from Time Magazine. <laughs> so society looks at us and looks at parenting and, and looks at dads and fathering and doesn't see models of hope, doesn't see models of success. And those of us who are dads and, and are struggling to figure it out, we wrestle with all kinds of insecurity and fear about uh, how are we doing it, are we doing it well. And those of you who are women who are looking at your husbands, you're wrestling with all kinds of he really doesn't know what he's doing and he's really not doing it well. And those of you who are in families that are broken and, and, and sort of torn apart are wrestling with this incredible dynamic. That this, this just simply is not an easy thing. But, uh, but when we look to the scriptures and we look to the life of David, we see uh, really, and what I'm going to take from David's life is this, really this, one of the hardest moments in his life as a dad maybe second to the story of his breakdown with Absalom, but uh, just looking at this moment and seeing, though, in the moment of darkness, uh, when, when David's child, first child with Bathsheba passes away, that we see in there still this incredible model, an incredible heart of a father. So let's just bow our heads and pray for a moment and just read the scriptures. We're going to read 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12, verses 16 to 23. Lord, as we uh, engage the scriptures, as we read this incredible book, as we read your word, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, cause uh, the pieces of it that you intend to impact us, to get beyond our barriers, to get beyond our filters, to get beyond our uh, intellectual uh, 
barriers and to really reach our hearts. We would grow heart and mind from the reading of the scriptures and, and spiritually would they impact us in the mystical way that they're intended to. Your words have power. We acknowledge their power. We welcome their power. As we read the scriptures, transform us, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12 Verse 16 to 23 reads this. And again, this is a darker story, but we're going to see tremendous hope in it. Um, and this is the story, again, of, uh, of God sort of taking away uh, David's child uh, that, he, that was sort of illegitimately conceived through uh, the story of Bathsheba. Uh, so David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. The child was sick. And the elders of his house stood beside him, to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, Yes, he is. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is this thing you've done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you rose and ate food. He said, well, the child was still alive. I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son, and he called his name Samuel. Solomon. <laughs> Thank you, people. This is why we have it on screen. Like, if I get anything wrong, like you guys are like, on it. It's awesome. Uh, so, cool. And so just a thought, maybe before we begin to sort of engage uh, the, the scriptures again, this is one of the darker and more difficult stories in, in David's life, but just a thought. Uh, while generous, available, invested fathering challenges our selfish nature as humans, it is much, much more eternally rewarding. It is much more rewarding than what it will ever cost you. Uh, we see in this sort of way that David loved uh, his child, the way that David loved this. First off, you know, this is a little baby, right? And we see in the scriptures, we see moms crying over babies and, and grandmothers crying over babies. But in the scriptures, we almost never see men cry. But here's this guy, David, who uh, is experiencing the loss of his child. And there's something in him that's broken. He hits the ground uh, in his chambers. It says, 
he hits the ground, so we don't know what that meant. It was he outside, we don't know, but just publicly with his servants around, with people knowing what was going on, David just begins to weep. He stops eating, he fasts. Lord, bring this child back to me. He's wrestling with the loss of the child and, and, and invested in, in, a, in an emotional way with the situation. Uh, the servants are around him, they're like, David, are you gonna, like, are you gonna hurt yourself? Like, like, man, get up. Like, men don't weep like this. Like, men don't do this. Like, dude, get off your face. This is unseemly for you as a king. But he just would not respond to that. He was just going to be broken and on his face before the Lord. And eventually in the story, we see that uh, he sort of sees his servants whispering off to one side. And he knows that they're talking about something. He knows that they're talking about Maybe the fact that the child has finally died, and David says, that, has this child died? And, uh, and he, they say yes, they tell him. They're afraid to tell him because they thought, if he's this upset about the child who's sick, when they hear that this child is dead, he's, he's going he's gonna to kill himself. He's going to just wipe himself out. He can't go much lower than this. He's just as low as you can go. And they began to sort of worry over him. And, and they responded to him when he asked him. He said, yeah, the, the child is, has died, David. And David did the most uh, strange thing. The weeping sort of stopped. And he began to kind of pull himself together in that moment. Uh, he went and he washed himself. He anointed his hair with oil. He fixed his, he did his hair. Dude did his hair. Uh, and he went and he sat down and ate. And then he went and he comforted his wife, Bathsheba. And we're just going to unpack some of what all of those little things mean in terms of the heart of a father. Uh, so let's just look here uh, as David sort of describes to the servants, because they said to him, like, what are you doing, dude? Like, you, your child has died and now you're washing your hair? Like, what's going on? And it said this, it said, while the child was alive, I fasted. He's describing the whole experience. Uh, in that moment when the child was alive, when there was anything that he could do for that child, if there's anything that he could do uh, to move the heart of God, if there's anything that he could do to bring the child to life, to, to affect the situation, to impact the child's future, he was willing to do so uh, to the degree that it cost him something. In fasting, we see that David was willing to make sacrifice for the child. He was willing to let parenting cost him something. That's our first challenge as dads. Uh, parenting challenges our selfishness, doesn't it? Parenting challenges our concern with self, our concern with health, our concern with our own wealth, our concern with personal space, our concern with getting the stuff that we as people need. David, in that moment, was willing to lay down his most important physical, natural needs to lay them aside and say, I'm investing uh, myself in the life of this child. He sacrificed himself in that moment for the child. Uh, two, he was emotionally available. Uh, having a child for David wasn't something that was for him a uh, distance. It wasn't something for him that he was able to be stoic about. It wasn't something for him that he was uh, able to perform his duty with pure rationality and control. He was invested at a heart level, weeping before the Lord uh, in, in an undignified way. 
and, and for our kids, and this is a tremendous challenge for us as men because what fights against, against that is sort of the machismo that operates in our culture. This call to be the Marlboro man, this call to be the guy on the motorcycle, this call to be the stoic hero is not what David modeled as a father. Contrary to that, we're required to let the, the pain and struggle and wrestle of parenting be something that costs us emotionally. It, it's meant to touch our hearts. It's meant to touch our hearts. Uh, that's not what we're taught by all of the models that we see in our culture of what a hero is, of what a man is, of what a father is. Uh, as it go, the story goes on, for I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child will live. Uh, he was invested in the child at a spiritual level. His passion, his heart for the child uh, was to see that the child would be connected with God. The success of the life of my child, the success of my parenting, uh, the success of the future of my child, whether it will live, whether it will die, uh, I have something to say about that, but it absolutely must be connected to the will and the heart and the purpose of God. The call to parenting is to uh, take almost what we would say is a priestly role to have one hand laid on the heart of the Father and one hand on the heart of our children. There's a spiritual connection that must happen that it's our role as fathers to, to play, especially for our children when they're young, that there's something about a responsibility that we carry to parent them and to see that they're connected with God in a spiritual way. That's why when we do a child dedication here at OVV, what we're saying to people is we're saying, uh, we're doing something that is connecting this child to God. We're communicating with God. This isn't religion. This is a real interaction with the heart of God. Uh, four, uh, he, he asked this question, um, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? And he goes on a little bit at the end of that verse. He says, uh, shall I go to him, but he will not return to me. Uh, there's this sort of weird thing that happened in the story that David's alluding to, that strange moment when his child passed away that uh, David uh, did his hair. And he uh, ate. He anointed his head with oil. He fixed himself up. He pulled himself out of the ground. Uh, what he realized is, at that moment was this child that, that I've lost, this child that I've grieved, this child is in the hands of the father now. I've, I've poured it out. I've done everything I can. And now in this moment, I have to have my eyes on the rest of my family. There comes a point in fatherhood where he was physically committed, disciplined at getting back to work. That's what was happening in that moment where David did his hair. I've loved this child to the max. I have other children and I have a wife. I'm in pain, I'm hurting, but I'm still getting back to work. There's a discipline that comes with fathering uh, in that moment and, and, and David's servants uh, didn't understand that well. Uh, he, he's, he's talking his relationship with God. Can I bring him back again? Shall I go to him? 
but he will not return to me. Uh, David, David understands this limit, right? This limit to his love, this limit to his ability, which is something that's, that's one of the hardest things for, for me as a dad, when I, when I see needs in my children, the need to provide physically, the need to provide spiritually, the need to uh, care in so many different ways. There are ways in which I reach the limit of my ability, and there's ways in which I have to say at some point, this is beyond my control, this is beyond my ability. I, I, I don't know what more I can do here. He accepts that limit. I, I can't bring him back at this point. And so many, so many of you as dads with, with children who have gone on into adolescence uh, know this struggle, right? You know how hard it is to let your kids go. You know how hard it is to, to say, man, I've, I've done my best here. I, I failed. I've made mistakes. I've loved this child. I've poured out my resource. I, I, I've done all this. And now this child is ultimately free to go and make his own decisions. He's out of my control. He's out of my hands. In David's case, this was just an infant. This was just a little baby that David could no longer affect the destiny of this child. And in that moment, he saw his limitation and just knew that he had to let this child go and be in the hands of the father. And with that grieving and with that pain, but, but there's a, a beautiful uh, surrender there in what David does in letting that child go in that moment. But different ones of us are struggling with that at different times. And then he says this, he says, he looks to the future just with a moment of hope and he says, I shall go to him, though he cannot come to me. David looks to the hope of heaven, looks to the value of relationship, and looks with joy at the idea that ultimately uh, there will be a reunification, a reuniting, a rejoining, a reconnecting with his child, and he looks to the hope of heaven for that. Uh, my view of heaven, says David, is I look forward to hanging with that little baby that I've let go of right now. David values relationship. Uh, passionately. He looks forward to that moment. Uh, and number, uh, moving on, this sort of number seven, uh, looking at verse 24, then David comforted his wife. It's not just me that has a need. It's not just my child that has a need. My spouse has a need. And now I'm investing in her. Now I'm pouring my life out for her. I'm giving myself to her now. It's not just about me. It's about this whole picture. It's about this family. Doesn't this sound like a high calling? Doesn't this sound like an incredible challenge uh, for us as dads, as parents? Um, he went to her, he lay with her, and she bore a son. He was ultimately focused on the kingdom, ultimately focused on growth, ultimately focused on the next uh, thing, on the children that were yet to be born to him. On, uh, on the spiritual legacy that he was ultimately handing down uh, to the kids that were going to follow him. And he went on with the business and the joy and the love and the fruitfulness of family life. And it, so we see this incredible process from completely spending himself uh, for the child to ultimately letting go, to celebrating the thing that comes next in the life and the heart of David. And, and we see this incredible man and we see something that was after God's own heart. Uh, there's things in the New Testament that maybe just speak to that story just a little bit. Ephesians chapter six, verses one to four. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Uh, 
Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Isn't that great? One of our only little qualifiers, one of our only little instructions on parenting in the New Testament is like just, just don't completely exasperate them. Like just don't completely blow it. Like you can get them pretty ticked off, but don't get them really ticked off. Right? So pretty great qualifications there. But bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. We see uh, David doing that beautifully. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's just another tiny, small calling thing. Just a tiny little bit of responsibility there. Wives, submit to your husbands as, as, uh, as the church submits to Christ. Hey, and, and guess what, husbands? That means for you, you get to die for your wives. Just want you to be fully encouraged there. So isn't there something that's, that's a bit high, that's a bit heavy, that's a bit challenging about this calling to be uh, physical parents and to be spiritual parents? It seems like a lot. It seems like heavy. But I want to return us to this thought with typo. Uh, that while generous, available, invested fathering challenges our selfish nature as humans, it's much, much more eternally rewarding than what it will ever cost you. That incredible call to self-sacrifice, to laying down your life, uh, to serving uh, people, uh, to serving your children, to serving your family, that seems like a costly thing. But look at the incredible eternal reward. The incredible reward of a legacy of children that will pour out their lives for the kingdom, that will pour out their lives for their children. Uh, this family uh, that you're called to lead is something uh, that is meant to change the world. It's meant to change the world. And just another thought, as... Uh, God is radically committed to fathering you as you father your kids. Psalm 40, or 63, verse 4 and 5 says this, Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. As great the challenge as it is for us to father others, God is passionate about fathering you. Everything that you need as a dad to go through the highs and the lows and the wrestles and the self-sacrifice and the challenge and the struggle, everything that you need to do that struggle is given you by the one who fathers you. Let's stand up. Lord, I bless these incredible uh, men of God. Uh, the ones who are wondering if someday they will be fathers, who aren't fathers yet. The ones who have been fathering and have experienced moments of pain like David's. Uh, the ones who are fathering in, in joy. Uh, for every part of that journey, Lord, uh, we just come to you as dads and, and say that we want to be uh, what you're calling us to be as men.
We want to be men who are self-sacrificing. We want to be men who are invested emotionally. We want to be men who are invested physically. We want to know, humbly know, what our limits are and how much we can do. We want to be able to grieve and let go where we're supposed to grieve and let go. We want to value the relationship and the internal future that we might have with our kids. Lord, we want uh, to be a comfort for our wives and a support for them, to be invested in them, to be invested in the whole family. Lord, we want our whole family, our whole destiny, our whole future to be invested in growing your kingdom through our families. That seems like such a high calling, but Lord, we just know that as we pursue it, as we stumble towards it, as we wrestle towards it, that there will be so much fruit from it and so much eternal joy. Thank you so much for our kids. Thank you so much for entrusting us uh, with, our, with our wives. Uh, thank you so much for entrusting us with this uh, incredible future. Lord, we're, we just can't believe it. We're so honored. Just give us the grace to serve with all our hearts. And we just come with all of that challenge and we say that we don't have the resource, we don't have the ability, we simply can't do it unless you're a father to us. Would you come in your power and in your glory and in your might and be a dad to us in tangible ways? For men here who have not known you, who have not trusted you, who have not believed that you could be a father to them, Jesus, would you knock on the door of their hearts? Would they be able to invite you in? For those of us who thought we all have it uh, together, would you just let us humbly again let you in, let you be a father to us? Teach us how to do this thing. Uh, fill us with your power. Fill us with your might. Fill us with supernatural ability. Would you pour out your spiritual gifts on us as dads so that we could be parent not in our own strength but in your power? Let this be a, an amazing, joy-filled, supernatural adventure that you're at the very center of in our lives. We give ourselves to you. I celebrate these dads before you. We lift them up, fill them with encouragement and joy as we pursue this high calling. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.